Uh, if you're not familiar with who they are, um, encourage you to check them out. City A Light. Uh, it's one of their newer songs. They haven't put out a lot of new music lately, but uh, if you're looking for some great praise and worship that is gospel-focused, gospel-centered, uh, it's some, some good stuff. Well, good morning. Welcome to Northside Baptist Church. We're so glad that you are here uh, to worship with us. Man, it's a beautiful day outside, isn't it? Uh, a little warmer than you guys had it earlier in the week. Uh, I felt so bad, man, when I was sitting down on the beach in 85 degree weather and you guys are just up here freezing. I felt so bad for you, but uh, it is a great day to be in the house of the Lord. If this is your first time with us, I want to extend a special welcome to you. You're our guest today and we want to uh, and, and just encourage you any way that we can, want to love on you any way that we can. Inside the bulletin is a tab. Uh, if you can fill out this information and place it in the offering plate, uh, or not the offering plate. We haven't done that in a long time. There's a box out there. If you could place it in that box, we would uh, greatly appreciate that. I want us to spend a moment in, in prayer, and I want to let you know how I want you to pray uh, before we continue to worship together. So tomorrow, uh, Mark Runyons and Pastor BJ are heading to Ecuador. Uh, they're going down there on a vision trip. We shared this with you back in January about our partnership with Johnny and Donna Most. Uh, in that area in Ecuador. And so they're flying down there uh, tomorrow, going to be down there for the week, coming back on Saturday, uh, Sunday, coming back on Sunday. Um, and so they're going to get to meet with the moss face-to-face. They're going to begin just to kind of check out the area um, and, and most of all, just follow the Spirit's leading as to how going forward, Northside and other churches in the West Central region can continue to partner with the mall. So what I'm going to have you do, uh, instead of praying the scripture this morning, is just pray for them. Pray for their travels, pray for their families uh, back home, pray, continue to pray for the mall, pray for the Afro-Ecuadorians who are there, and also just pray uh, that the Spirit of God would so clearly lead them while they're there. And also while they're there, I'm sure they'll have opportunities to share the gospel and, and get to meet some of the people and love on them. And so, so if you will, just spend a, money, a moment in prayer for them, uh, and then I will close us in prayer. this beautiful day that you have given to us. We thank you, God, that you've given us another day of life. You've watched over us. You gave us breath. You brought us here safely this morning, and, and we praise you for all of that. Father, this morning in the message, our focus is going to be on how, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we are to live on mission, that we are to we are to bless others. There's many ways that we can do that, but our focus this morning is how we are to bless people by giving them the word of the Lord, by sharing the gospel with them. Jesus, your mission, you said your own words, was to seek and save the lost. You are still seeking and saving the lost, and you do that through your people, the church, through our preaching and teaching and spreading the word of God. 
So, Father, we specifically this morning want to lift up Mark and, and Pastor BJ to you, and there's another gentleman, I believe, going with him as well. Father, we, we ask for safe travels. Father, we pray, uh, Lord, that you will get them there safely. Lord, we know that in order to, to go, they had to have a, a negative COVID test. We thank you for that. But, Father, we also know to return, Father, they also have to have a negative COVID test. So, Lord, we pray not only that you will get them there safely, but while they are there, you will protect them, that your hand will be upon them, that you will keep them, uh, Lord, safe from any virus, any illness, uh, any anything at all. God, while they are there, I pray that they would be a blessing to the moss, that they would just be there to encourage them and, and lift them up. The moss would be a blessing to them. And Father, we also pray that as we think about our future partnership with the Moss and the Afro-Ecuadorians that you've laid upon our heart, Father, this vision trip is so important. Spirit of God, would you lead them? Every conversation, every thought, every interaction, Spirit of God, make it so evident to them that you are with them, that you are filling them, that you are leading them. Lord, as they pray about the best way to, to go forward, make that abundantly clear. As clear as you were, Lord, in Scripture, we see in, in the book of Acts of the Apostle Paul, when you would say to him, don't go here, but go to this region. Lord, we pray that you will be just as clear to them. Lord, bring them back safely. And Father, we look forward to how you're going to use Northside going forward as we seek to be a people who bless others with the gospel, even to the ends of the earth. Fathers, we continue to worship this morning. You are worthy of all praise and glory and honor. So, Lord, may we empty our, our hearts of any pride, any sin, and may we just seek you and your glory this morning. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. And once again, as we continue worship. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, it must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his army shall he lead. Till every foe is vanquished, and Christ is Lord indeed. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, the trumpet call obey. For through the mighty conflict in this glorious day, he who for men now serve him,
stand up for Jesus. The strife will not be long. Dismay the noise of battle. The next, the victor's song. To those who overcome, a crown of life shall be. Yeah. 
continue our worship. if you will, take your copy of the Word of God and turn to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. We stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. We're going to look at a lot of verses this morning in Acts 13, but I just want to read three of them for us this morning as we get started. Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 42. Acts 13 beginning in verse 42, and this is the word of the Lord. It says, as they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. You may be seated. C.S. Lewis writes, The church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ, to make them little Christ. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons are simply a waste of time. Again, he says, The church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ, to make them little Christ. We are wrapping up our series this morning called Be the Church. And as BJ mentioned last week, right, this is just a tool. These four B's that we're giving to you, there are a lot of other 
tools out there, but this is one way for us to make sure we're on the same page, the same mission here, so that if somebody were to say, hey, what's, the, what's, what's Northside all about? You could say, well, we believe that as disciples of Christ, you are to believe in Jesus Christ, right? You should belong to the church, to the family of God. You should become more like Christ, specifically in, in the way of serving. And then this morning, we're going to talk about bless. We're going to talk about bless, how we are to bless others. Specifically, we're going to look at blessing others with the word of the Lord. So when you think about the book of Acts, where we come to chapter 13 this morning, chapter 13 is a turning point. Up to this point, through the first 12 chapters, obviously the entire book of Acts, you could call it not just the Acts of the Apostles, but the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's all about what Jesus Christ is doing in His church. But up until this point, the focus really has been upon Peter, the disciple, the apostle Peter, and his ministry to the Jews. And how out of that, Jewish people are coming to salvation and the church begins in Jerusalem. But when you come to chapter 13, the focus shifts to a man by the name of Paul. Now, we had been introduced to Paul a couple of chapters earlier, but the focus now becomes Paul, his missionary journeys, and how the gospel begins to go forth to the Gentiles. So you think back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. J.J. Washington uh, preached on this back in uh, January, right? It says, and you will be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the what? The ends of the earth. Well, when you come to Acts chapter 13, it begins the story of missions going to the ends of the earth. The mission begins to go forth out into the world to the ends of the earth. J.T. English, in his book, Deep Discipleship, writes this. Discipleship is about being a learner of Jesus, and the mission of Jesus was to seek and save the lost. There's a lot of good things that we can do as a church, things that we should be doing. But our ultimate priority is to see the lost saved. It is to take the gospel, the word of the Lord, out unto lost people to the ends of the earth so that they may hear the name of Jesus and believe in Jesus. So let me just give you two main truths this morning from these verses. Here's number one. As disciples of Christ, we are to be focused and involved in spreading the word of the Lord. As disciples of Christ, our focus is to be spreading the word of the Lord. Therefore, every single one of us as a Christian, as a disciple, should be involved in spreading the word of the Lord. We are to live on mission. And so we come to verse 42. As they went out, who is the they and where did they go out from? Well, let's back up a little bit. To the very beginning of Acts chapter 13. Go with me to verse 2. We're going to spend several minutes working our way through Acts 13 and then we'll come back to our verses. Verse 2 of chapter 13. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. So the they in verse 42 we know is at least Barnabas and Saul. We know him as Paul. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and what? Sent them off. They're here in the church in Antioch. The Antioch church becomes the first church to send missionaries out into the world. The Spirit of God leads them to set apart Paul and Barnabas. They lay hands on them and they send them out. 
and Paul embarks on his first missionary journey. Fast forward to verse 13 of chapter 13. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John left them, that's John Mark, and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia. This is a different Antioch. They now come to Antioch in Pisidia, and the focus is on this city. And on the Sabbath day, that's key, the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue. That was Paul's custom, and he sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them, saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul stood up and, motioning with his hand, said. And Luke records for us. This may not have been his first one, but at least this is the first one recorded in Scripture for us. Paul's first sermon that he preached. He preaches it here in Antioch in Pisidia. And what he does is he, he summarizes a couple things. Um, in essence, what he's doing is he's focusing on God and God's grace through Jesus Christ. And so Paul, now you got to picture this. They're in the synagogue. He has been invited to speak. And so Paul begins to speak. And Luke lets us know what he says. Now, Paul probably said more than this, but this is what Luke records for us in Scripture. I want you to notice, first of all, as we think about what Paul says, very quickly, we're going to go through this fast. I want you to notice the first thing he does is he gives a brief sketch of Old Testament history. He's speaking to people who would have known the Old Testament. He says, verse 16, Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen, the God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arm, he led them out. So Paul here mentions uh, Israel being God's people. They're in Egypt. He then goes on to talk about how God leads them into the wilderness. And then God leads them into Canaan, where they take over the promised land. They receive their inheritance. And Paul says, all in total, this took about 450 years. 400 years in Egypt, 40 years in the wilderness, and probably about 10 years, according to Luke, for, for God to completely give the land to them in Canaan. From there, Paul jumps to uh, the judges. He then references how the people wanted a king, and so God gives them Saul. And then he talks about, in verse 22, how God removes Saul and raises up who? David. David becomes king. And so very quickly, Paul has given them a brief sketch, a summary of the Old Testament. And when he gets to David, Paul then makes a beeline straight to Jesus Christ. And he talks about salvation through Jesus. Again, remember, this is Jews, and Paul is teaching in a synagogue, and this is what he's about to say. Verse 23, of this man, of this man's offspring, David's offspring, God had brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. God had promised a Messiah. He had promised a Savior. Who is that Savior? It's Jesus. He says it's Jesus, verse 24. Before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. No, but behold, after me one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, speaking to Jews and Gentiles, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. Paul calls this a message of salvation. Verse 27, for those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets who are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. 
And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. Paul says, this Savior that God sent, you executed. You condemned him. You executed him upon a cross. Right? You put him in a tomb. Verse 30. But God raised him from the dead. Amen? I don't know if there, how many amens he got at that moment. But there may have been a few people who understood and said amen. And Paul understands the significance of the resurrection that four times in Luke's recording of his sermon mentions how God raised Jesus from the dead. Verse 31, and for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who were now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news. That what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. So he gives them a sketch of Old Testament history. He brings them to God's salvation through Jesus. He then quotes from some Old Testament scriptures. And then, if you want, he offers an invitation. He extends an invitation to them, verse 36. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. And this is important. We're going to give a little gospel presentation in the middle here of Paul's sermon. Verse 38. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers. Paul is saying, in light of what I've just told you about God's promise through Jesus Christ, therefore, that through this man, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. That's good news, brothers and sisters. This morning, through Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sins is available to you. Those of you watching us online, you can have forgiveness of your sins through Jesus Christ. And so Paul is inviting them to believe in the name of Jesus so that they might receive forgiveness of sins. And then he says this, verse 39, And by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. So what Paul is saying, just to quickly summarize here this verse about being freed, right? is he is saying, keeping the law of Moses does not free anyone from their sins. You are not freed from your sins by keeping the law of Moses. It's interesting, this word freed, which is used twice in verse 39, is the same word that we use for justified or justification. It is dikaiao. That word means to cause someone to be in a proper or right relationship with someone else. Here's what Paul is saying. He is saying, this is important for us. He is saying you are not made right with God. You are not saved. You are not freed by keeping the law of Moses. God gave the law and his intent in the law was never so that you and I could keep it and be saved. The law condemns us. The law shows us our sin. So what Paul is saying to these Jews who have put their entire hope in the law is he is saying, listen, you are saved. You are declared right with God. You are freed, not by keeping the law, but by believing in Jesus Christ, God's Son. That's what he says in verse 38. Verse 39, and by him everyone who believes is freed. Let me ask you a question. How is your sin dealt with? How is your sin dealt with? Your sin is not dealt with by you keeping the law, by you living up to God's standards. We all fail horrifically at that. 
Our hope for our sins is through Jesus Christ. And so Paul gives this sermon. And as we, in, in just a second, come back to our text, I want you to understand what the world needs from us is not do more, be better, do good, come to church, just love. Do, what they need is Jesus Christ. He is their hope. He is the only hope for the forgiveness of our sins so that we might be made right with God. So Paul gives this message. Come back to verse 42. As they went out. So he, the sermon is finished. Paul, Barnabas, a few other companions, they're leaving. People are going home. The people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. I wonder how many of you this morning when you leave will just beg. Man, Pastor, could you just preach a little bit longer, right? Will you just come, just keep preaching? They begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism, that would have been the Gentiles who convert to Judaism, followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. So Paul is there in the synagogue. He's teaching on the Sabbath. It's over. They say, Paul, will you come back next week? Paul agrees. And as he leaves, some people begin to follow him. Fast forward, to, come to verse 44. The next Sabbath, so we're one week later, almost the whole city gathered. I don't know how many is almost the whole city, but I think Luke's emphasis here is there's a lot more people who show up this second Sabbath than were there the first. Look what it says. I'm going to draw your attention to this phrase. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Three questions. Whose word was it? It was the Lord's word. Four times in our verses. Let me point these out to you. Verse 44, to hear the word of the Lord. Verse 46, it says it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Verse 48, and when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. Verse 49, and the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. Whose word was it? It was the Lord's word. This was not Paul's opinion. This was not Paul's thoughts. This was not Paul's interpretation. This is the word of the Lord. Church, it is imperative as the church of God, living on mission for God, that we faithfully preach the word of the Lord. This is what people need, the word of the Lord. They don't need your opinions. They don't need your thoughts. They need the word of the Lord, even at a time in which that may become more, uh, more persecution may come, more hostility may come as a result of that. We are to still preach the word of the Lord. Here's the second question. How did this word spread? One week, it says, passes. And all of a sudden, all of these people now show up at the synagogue to hear Paul preach again. How did they know Paul was there? How did the word of the Lord spread? Listen, this was 2,000 plus years ago. There was no email. There was no Facebook. No Twitter. No Instagram. No social media whatsoever. There was no phones where you could call up your friend and say, hey, why don't you come to the synagogue here in a couple days? There was no text messaging. There was no post office in the sense that we have a post office today where you can get mail to somebody overnight if necessary. 
If you were going to write somebody a letter back then, it would have probably taken days, if not weeks, for them to get it. You couldn't spread the word that way. There was no radio, no TV, no live streams, no printing press. So how did the word spread? By word of mouth. By word of mouth. They were telling others about what they had heard. No doubt some of them giving their life to Jesus Christ based upon Paul's sermon. And them going into their homes and their families and telling other people, listen, you've got to come hear about this Jesus. In Matthew 28, we are commanded to go. In Acts 13, we see that modeled for us. Paul and Barnabas are sent. And as they go, they are telling others about the word of the Lord. And those who receive him begin to tell others about him. Listen, there's a lot of great avenues that we can use to tell others about Jesus Christ. But at some point, you've got to open your mouth. Texting, even talking on the phone, emailing, Facebook, you can share the gospel in those ways. But at some point, you've got to open your mouth and tell somebody else about Jesus Christ, who he is, and what he has done for you. It's spread by word of mouth. Third question, how was this word received? How was this word that Paul is preaching received? And hear me, and we're going to break this down. People will either respond with faith or they will respond with rejection. You know what the gospel does? Not only does the gospel save, but the gospel divides. It divides those who have given their life to Jesus and are saved and those who have rejected Jesus and are lost. The gospel divides. And so what we see here in Acts 13 is that there will always be people who reject the gospel. Paul has just preached maybe one of the best sermons ever preached. And then we read this, verse 44, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord, verse 45. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him, verse 50. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. Church, hear me. There will always be people who reject the gospel. There will always be people who reject the word of the Lord. Listen, you can't change that. I can't change that. And one of the reasons that we often fail to tell others about Jesus is fear. More specifically, fear of what? Rejection. What if they reject me? What if they don't want the gospel? What if they curse at me? What if they spit at me? What if they, what if they get angry at me? What if I could lose my job because I'm telling other people about Jesus, right? We fear rejection. But the reality is, going all the way back to Acts 13, there will always be people who reject the gospel that cannot keep you and I from going and sharing. It can't keep us from going and sharing. So Mark and BJ are getting on a plane tomorrow. They're going to head to, to Ecuador, and while they're there, I'm sure they will have many opportunities to tell others about Jesus Christ. My prayer is that when they come back, or they could stand up here and say, every person we told about Jesus right then prayed to receive Christ. That could happen. But that's not the experience for most of us. See, the reality is some may receive and believe, but more than likely, there's going to be those who reject the gospel of Jesus Christ 
when they share it. So do we not send them? Do we say, well, there's going to be those who don't believe. Let's just not go. Let's not spend the money. Let's, let's, not, let's not worry about that. Let's just stay here and do what we can do. Do we not go because people will reject? No, we go. Why? Because there will always be people who respond favorably to the gospel. Yes, you may encounter people who reject it, but you will also find people whose hearts are receptive to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. Verse 44, the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Something was going on. Something was drawing these people to hear Paul preach. Verse 48, and when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Listen, people are gathering to hear the word of the Lord. People are getting saved and the religious elite are getting angry about it. They're frustrated. They're throwing a little temper tantrum because their way of life and their monopoly, monopoly because to them, if we keep the commandments, then everybody else is going to look at us and think, man, they're devout, they're religious, look how good they are. And if that system crumbles, then their life crumbles. And Paul's ripping it to, to shreds because our hope isn't in keeping the word of God, but our hope is in Jesus Christ. So what do they do? Well, verse 45, right, the Jews saw the crowds. They were filled with jealousy. So Paul addresses them, verse 46. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Paul says, It was necessary, my Jewish brothers, that the word of God came first to you. It was necessary that the word of God be, first, be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Here's what the Jewish people forgot. They forgot that as God set them apart and blessed them, they were to be a blessing to the nations. That's what God had always said in, in the Old Testament. The Jews, the people of God, were to be a blessing to the nations of God. They had forgotten that. And when Jesus Christ, the Messiah, comes, he comes for the Jew, yes, but he also comes for the nations. This is what Paul's saying when he quotes from the Old Testament I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. So the Jews don't like that. John MacArthur says, nothing infuriated them more than the privileges of God extended to uncircumcised Gentiles. You mean you're telling me these uncircumcised Gentiles now are going to have access to the same God that we worship? It infuriated them. But how did the Gentiles respond? I love verse 48 for a couple reasons. One, it says, and when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. The Jews are upset. The Gentiles start celebrating. You mean this gospel's for me? You mean I can have access into the blessings and the privileges of being a child of God? They begin to rejoice in this. And then we read these words. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And we could spend hours and days on this verse. I'm going to spend about a minute on this verse and encourage you to dive into it. One author writes this, God's sovereign grace means that we are saved in spite of, not because of, anything in ourselves. 
We are saved by God's grace and God's grace alone. It has nothing to do with me or who I am. I am a wretch sinner. And so what, what Paul says is as many as were appointed, this idea of election to eternal life believed. Listen, God's sovereignty scares some people. And maybe it scares you. When you hear election and predestination and the sovereignty of God, man, maybe you're quick to push back. I'm just going to speak from my heart. Of all the doctrines in Scripture, I find God's sovereignty to be one of the most comforting to me. To know that my God sits in heaven right now and is in complete control of everything, including salvation, brings me great comfort. Look, God saved me. I don't know why, but he did. And I rejoice in that. I praise God for his setting me aside and saving me. And obviously the people here are rejoicing as well. Church, we must go. We must tell. We must bless. Why? Because there are people who need the good news of the gospel. And there are people who will respond in salvation. So let me recap point number one. As disciples of Christ, we are to be focused and involved in spreading the word of the Lord. That's what Paul and Barnabas were focused on. God begins to do a work. We, as well, must be focused on that. Second and last point I want to share with you from this, the word is this. As his disciples, we must be filled with joy and the Holy Spirit as we engage in missions. Verse 52. It's just kind of, it seems just like it's just kind of thrown in there. But it's a wonderful verse. And the disciples were filled, and they're filled with two things, with joy and with the Holy Spirit. The disciples, the followers of Jesus are filled with what? What does he say first? Joy. Filled with joy. Church, hear me. Joy is not based on circumstances. What are the circumstances of Paul and Barnabas in verse 52 when it says they're filled with joy? Go back up to verse 50. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city. You know what this is? This is a mob. This is a mob mentality. They begin to stir up other people to attack Paul. We see a mob mentality today at times, do we not? Right? This is a mob mentality. They're stirring up leading men of the city. And they stirred up what? Persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of the district. And the disciples were filled with joy. That baffles me. They're being persecuted. They are kicked out of the city. And on the way out, man, I can just see them. They're just smiling, right? Joy filling their heart. Why? Because they understand the joy of their salvation. They understand that. Old church, lost people need to see the joy that you have in Christ. They need to see that Jesus Christ has changed you. It's not a happiness. It's not based on circumstances where you're always up and down. It's a joy, the joy of God's salvation. They should see this. They should know that you're different because of Jesus. Acts chapter 4, the religious leaders say of the disciples, it says they recognized they had been with Jesus. Somebody say that about you. Can they say Monday morning when you walk into the workplace, ah, you've been with Jesus over the weekend, haven't you? I can just tell you come in with a smile. You come in with this joy, the joy of the Lord. 
Mark chapter 5, verse 19. As we were going through our 21 days at the beginning of the, of the year, this one verse really jumped out to me in, in one of the days. It's where Jesus heals a, a man who had been possessed with a, a demon. And verse 18, this was so interesting. It says, as he, Jesus, was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. Like, can you just picture this? Jesus is in the boat, going out to the water, and, and the man who had just been delivered is pleading, Jesus, let me come. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to go. Let me in the boat. What does Jesus say to him? He did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Church, we got to be a people who are filled with the joy of salvation, who go tell other people of who the Lord is and all that he has done for us. And we do that with joy. But then it also says we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, church, we draw our power and our strength and our words from the Spirit of God. This morning, if, if you were one of our teachers and you taught Sunday school, whether it was kids or adults, and you tried to teach in your own power, it will fail every time. If I stand up here and try to preach in my own power and whatever small abilities I may have, it will fail every time. If you go out this week and you try to tell somebody about Jesus and you try to do it in your own power, with your own wit, and your own knowledge, you will fail every single time. We must be filled with the Spirit of God. We must be surrendered to the Spirit of God. We draw our power and our strength and our words from the Spirit of God. And as we are filled with the Spirit of God, we are reminded that our God is doing a work that cannot be stopped. Amen? Can't stop what God is doing. So let's join the work of God by living on mission for God. Let us be a people who want to bless others with the Word of God. We want to be faithful to do that. When I do my sermon prep, I always consult multiple commentaries. And then I like to try to read through some sermon manuscripts just to make sure I'm not way out there somewhere and, and how I understand it. And so many times I'll, I'll read some sermons from C.H. Spurgeon, uh, wonderful sermons. But even sometimes for me, man, it's just he's deep. And I'm like, I just can't keep up. But I was reading one this past week. And at the end of the sermon, he, he told this story. And it just, man, it just convicted me. He said, an infidel once met a Christian and said, I know you do not believe your religion. I know you don't believe what you say you believe. The Christian said, why? Why do you say that? The man said, because for years you have passed me on my way to my house of business. He said, you believe, do you not, that there is a hell into which men's spirits are cast? The Christian said, yes, I believe that. And the man said, and you believe that unless I believe in Christ, I must be sent there. The man said, yes, I believe that. And the infidel said, you do not believe. He said, I am sure, because if you did, you would be a most inhuman wretch to pass me day by day and never tell me about it or warn me of it. If you're like me, you're guilty of that. You're guilty of, of passing people in the street. You're guilty of coming across people in the workplace, even your own family. And, man, we talk about everything so easily sometimes. But if we really believe there is a hell and that apart from Jesus Christ, people are going there, but through Jesus Christ, they can be delivered of it. If we really believe that, then we have got to be a people, got to be a people who begin to profess that. So 
If you would say, look, Pastor, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of not living on mission. I'm guilty of not blessing other people with the word of the Lord, of, of really focusing on sharing the gospel with people. Well, the good news this morning is that God will forgive you if you confess that. Right now, if you confess, God, forgive me for failing to open my mouth. Forgive me for failing to tell others about Jesus. God will not only forgive you of that, but he will cleanse you of that through his blood. And after you have confessed it and experienced his forgiveness, be resolved to live on mission for Christ so that the world might be changed through the good news of the word of the Lord, of the gospel. To you close your eyes and, and bow your head? Two questions for you this morning. Number one, as his disciple, is missions, is evangelism, telling others about Jesus. Man, is that a priority in your life? And in your networks, your work, your family, your home, your neighborhoods, where you play, where you do recreation, man, is sharing the good news of Jesus with others a priority for you? If it is, praise the Lord. Oh, I rejoice. If it's not, would you just confess that to the Lord? And would you say, God, Convict me for not being one of those who is faithful to spread the word of the Lord. And the second question is this. Do you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Whether you are with us this morning in person or you're watching online, have you trusted in Jesus to forgive you of your sins? Have you declared that it is only through faith in Jesus that you can be made right with him? If you've never given your life to Jesus, would you do that right now? Would you cry out, Lord God, I am a wretched sinner who deserves hell. But this morning I am crying out to you, Jesus, to forgive me. I confess that you were the Son of God, that you were Lord, Savior, that you died for me, you died in my place, and you have been raised from the dead. And I am putting my hope in you. Forgive me, save me of my sins. If you would just cry out to Jesus right now, you, you, you will be saved. The Bible promises that. Father, help your church here at Northside to be the church. Help us to be a people who are committed to believing in the word of God, belonging to the family of God, becoming more like Christ in how we serve the family of God, and then going beyond these walls to blessing others blessing those in our family, our community, with the word of the Lord. Oh, Jesus, will you change the world? Change the world. And will you use us as your instruments to do that? We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing a couple verses of a song. just want to give you an opportunity just to sing, to reflect upon the message, reflect upon these words, just to spend some time in prayer with God. So if you'll stand and let's sing this together. Everlasting portion, more than friend or life to me. The long my pilgrim journey, Savior, let me walk with thee. Close to thee, close to thee, close to thee, close to thee. The long my pilgrim journey, Savior, let me walk with thee.
You may be seated. I'm going to make you aware of an opportunity. We talked this morning about blessing others with the word of the Lord. And so Chris reached out to me and he's going to come and he's going to share an opportunity, something the Lord's laid upon his heart that he would like to be done. And he's going to call upon you for your help in that. So we have uh, 96 players in our upper program right now, and I would love to be able to give the, each of them a Bible, a quality Bible. Um, I was looking at different kinds of Bibles and researching costs and things. For the first through third graders, I really like to get them an action Bible. Action Bible is a, is a kind of the Bible in graphic novel format. They're, they're, they're early readers. So that'd be a good Bible for them. And then for the older kids, the four to six, I'd like to get them a good study Bible. And I was looking, just researching, we would need... Uh, Eight cases, a case of Bibles is 12, and, and the case for the kind of Bibles we want to get is $170. So I was looking for either eight sponsors or 16 half-case sponsors to, to fund that. I'd, I'd really like to order those by the end of March so we could have them by the end of April and be able to present them with those Bibles. But you know, there's, a, there's a song in the 80s, if you remember, it's called, it's called Thank You, Thank You for Giving to the Lord. It was like you get to heaven, you find these people you've given money to and stuff. You know, if every, every kid has a Bible, you know, they if the kid you know comes to know Christ with that Bible, that's that's a reward that you would you would share in. So if you're interested in doing that, please let me uh, or Pastor Aaron or Pastor BJ know, and and we'll get that money and to to fund those and uh, be a blessing to those on the field. Thanks. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. It was Ray Bolts, wasn't it? It was Ray Bolts who sang that song. Well-known song in the 80s. So if, if, you're, if that's something the Lord's laying upon your heart, a way for you to help and, again, to bless our upward kids with a Bible. Uh, some of them may have a Bible. Uh, many of them may not. And to give them a quality Bible that they can read and use to help study and to, to learn. Uh, again, just see Chris or, or Pastor BJ or myself uh, about that. Just a couple other announcements. Uh, join us tonight. We're, we're right back into our Sunday night activities. We have Awana. Youth will be meeting. We have an adult Bible study that will be meeting in here. Uh, I know David would love to have you join them as they study uh, the Word of God. Next Sunday, we're going to begin a new series called The Seven Sayings from the Cross. This will actually lead us up to actually Easter Sunday. On Easter Sunday, we will look at the, the last saying uh, that Jesus utters from the cross. And I also want to draw your attention to this Saturday, February 27th at 5 p.m. We're going to have a, a church-wide bonfire. Um, so I want to encourage you to come. You've seen the pile uh, out there of wood and debris. And so we're going to burn that. We're going to eat. We're going to have a lot of fun. Now, I would imagine that anytime you're doing something outdoors, it is weather permitting. Um, so I pray the weather will just be wonderful on Saturday. But if for some reason it were to not be and it were to be storms or whatever, the way we would notify you of any changes like that would be through Realm. So if you are not on Realm, don't know how to get on Realm, I would recommend you see, talk to your deacon, talk to Pastor BJ, myself, somebody, and say, hey, how can I stay up to date on any changes with the calendar or anything that's going on in the church? And it would be through Realm. I'm praying the weather will be great, and, and we're going to have a lot of fun. So you want to be here Saturday night at 5 o'clock. Our deacon of the week is Mr. Larry Smitherman. Brother, if you'll come. Close us in a word of prayer. I'll ask you all to stand uh, as he's coming, and we'll close with a word of prayer. And just a reminder, this Wednesday night, we will we'll meet, uh, and we'll gather with our Wednesday night activities as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity this day to, to come out and to, to hear your word, Lord, to be reminded of our responsibilities, Lord. Father, I pray that you would uh, lead and guide us this week as we go out to, uh, to um, 
do our, our business, Lord. We pray that you would uh, lead and guide us in all of our word and, and actions and that uh, you'd watch over us. Forgive us, Lord, where we fail thee. Of course, in Christ's name I pray. Amen.